Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to DraftKings Network. This is the GM Shuffle. So, uh, actually, we just got the uh, the tweet from Tom Pelissero at the NFL Network. They're hiring Dan Quinn. So, the commanders are hiring Dan Quinn. So, that's the breaking news right now as we're recording the podcast. 53-year-old Dan Quinn going from Dallas Cowboys offensive coordinator to now Washington Commanders head coach. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. And, and Michael, you'll be with us coming up next week. Super Bowl Radio Row, man. We'll yeah. all be together. GM Shuffle's going to take on Radio Row. It's going to be a whole lot of fun, man. Wow. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it'll be great. I'm not looking forward to the traffic in Vegas, but I'm looking forward to <laughs> to uh, going out there and hanging out, going to Barry's, going to Sinatra's. You know, I'm looking forward to it all. It's great. It'll be fun. There you looking go. Looking forward to seeing my granddaughter and, yeah. and my grandson. So that'll be good, you know, and uh, it, it'll be fun. You know, it'll be fun and and uh, be good to do shows in person. We can react to them, and I'm sure there'll be news coming along the way as we go through Radio Row. Oh, 100% there. Super Bowl week will be a whole lot of fun here. First Super Bowl in Vegas. Everyone said it, so I, we don't need to say like that. Who could have ever thought that the NFL would have a Super Bowl in Vegas? But it's really cool that they're going to be able to showcase this city for, for what it is. And, and bring your jacket because it's still a little bit chilly uh, <laughs> out here in Las yeah, Vegas. No <laughs> but uh, let's get to the head coaching news that we got yesterday afternoon. The Seattle Seahawks decided mm-hmm. to make Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald their next head coach. McDonald now the youngest head coach in the NFL at 36 and he's been around quite a bit though even though he's 36 he's coached on a number of staffs been with the Baltimore Ravens for a number of years was a defensive coordinator at Michigan before he took over in Baltimore as the DC in 2022 but uh, this I guess became the expectation once Seattle started to wait and they they waited for their guy and and now they have him in Mike McDonald yeah and you know I think if you're John Schneider and this is your first chance to hire your coach I mean he came in with Pete Carroll he was a GM and with Marty Schottenheimer for a year in Washington and then Dan Schneider changed everything and that and then he went with Pete out to Seattle and 
you know, he'd been in that Green Bay model, and I'm sure he probably thought maybe go offense here. Uh, but I think when, when, he, when you watch Tate, Femi, and you see Baltimore, and I know Baltimore was tremendous defensively, but then when you start to break down their individual talent, look, Hamilton is way better than I thought he was going to be. I still think he's, you know, when he plays in the, the unique position that he plays and how McDonald highlighted what he does in terms of his skill on the first and second level uh, is really good. But when you break down other than him, right, and Roquan and Queen, right, I mean, two of their best players, they, they add to the team in August and September in Van Noy and Clowney. Clowney had nine and a half sacks. Van Noy had nine. Clowney had 18 quarterback hits. Mm -hmm. So you're sitting there saying, wait a minute, how did this guy do this, right? Now, I know Matabuke is really a talented three-technique. I get that, right? You know, Michael Pierce is a little bit chubby and overweight, but he's a good player, college free agent. But I, I think, to me, when you're watching this, you're saying, man, McDonald did some really good things, and he didn't have elite. It wasn't like he had five first-round picks over there on defense, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so uh, I, I think, to me, well, you could say he had five. He had Humphrey, Hamilton, Queen, and then, you know, and then whoever, and, and those would be the three, but... I, I thought Humphrey's an inside slot corner, not an outside anymore. I mean, think about his corner situation. Humphrey, Brandon Stevens, you know, Darby they pick up off the street, Yasun Yas Rock, you know, like who's playing corner for them? I mean, one of their best corners was a cap casualty from the Steelers in, in Mallet. So I think all those things say, okay, the tape is really good of being able to, to make the players really good. And I think that had to be an appealing thing. I don't know McDonald, but but it had to be appealing to John, watching the tape and seeing what he was able to do. And he's a young coach who's going to grow. I, and and Snyder's got to be sitting there thinking, wait a minute, I, I got we got better players here than he had in Baltimore. Hmm. You, you know, we can, we might have better we have better corners. I know that, right? Yeah. We got better corners. You know, we got to get our defensive front to play the way he did, but he picked up two guys off the street and made them and got 18 sacks out of them. We couldn't get 18 sacks out of anybody. Think about it. So I think I think that's when the tape and the teaching allows you to really get into the coach. And I think, you know, that's where it ends up happening. I don't know McDonald, but I, I could see why he hired him based on the evidence of the tape. And I think something that speaks highly to Mike McDonald as well is the reaction to some of his players in Baltimore after he was named the head coach. I mean, Marlon Humphrey, Kyle Van Noy, like a number of guys in that Ravens locker room were like, man, like the Seahawks are getting a good one. Like, we miss you, Coach Mack. Like, we're going to miss you here in Baltimore. Like, he was well-respected, like as young as he is at 36, well-respected in that locker room because, like you said, he got those guys to play at a different level than what they were playing previously. Yeah, no question. And look, you know, you, you got – you got Woolen, who was a good corner. You got Witherspoon, who could be a really good corner. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, they've got a lot more draft picks involved in their defense. They've got to get the level in Seattle higher. And I think he can do that. And he connected. And whenever you take players and play to their strength, Van Noy's strength, Clowney. I mean, Clowney had a great year for him. And Clowney hasn't played like that in like two or three years. He was a little better in Cleveland, but he was way better in Baltimore. So credit their program in Baltimore, which is what I think John gets a different program than he would have had if he hired Dan Quinn, right? I think they're looking to kind of change the program, get in more accountability in terms of kind of being a little different than what Pete was, because it's hard to come in and duplicate Pete, right? Pete was mm -hmm. so good at what he did. You know, you bring somebody in who's like Pete, and they're going to say, well, you just got that from Pete, right? 
So yeah. I think there's the shift that's going to help Seattle grow and develop. It's going to be interesting to see who he gets as offensive coordinator, how that works, what style of offense he wants to run as they're going to develop Geno Smith. But I think it's a good hire, and I think it'll be interesting how it plays out. I know he's young, but John's been around enough to help him, right? I think John, having spent all those years with Pete, could really help grow McDonald as a coach. I think that's the benefit that you get there, whereas Brian Callahan's going to have to rely on Rand Carthon, and Carthon's only been on the job for two years, okay? So that doesn't mean he can't do it, but he doesn't have a whole lot of experience to do it. Dan Morgan, really no experience there. And Canales, no experience. That makes it hard. You know, Telesco's going to help Pierce because he does bring a level of experience to the job. What do you make of the excitement? Because I think the Seahawks fans are very excited about McDonald because of the success that his defense had against the Kyle Shanahan offense, which is the offense that's sort of in vogue throughout the NFL. A lot of teams are using it. The Niners use it. A bunch of different teams use it that the Seahawks will be facing. And it felt like the Ravens were able to, I don't want to say crack the code on that offense, but at least slow it down much better than what other defenses were able to do. Like, Do you think that aspect of it also was a plus here on the Seattle side? Well, I, I just think the overall level of defense, that he can change and be adaptive. Remember, when you're building a program, when you're building a defensive scheme or an offensive scheme, you have to start with simplicity because the, the complexity has to come in the week you're playing the game. So if you start with complexity and then you try to get simple for the game, that's really hard. Players make too many mistakes. Mm -hmm. And what I think McDonald has been able to do is start with simplicity and then, and then get into complexity based on the opponent they're going to play, based on how do we fit what we're doing. I think Spagnola has been able to do that in Kansas City. He took a little bit of what Houston did against Lamar. And then he incorporated that into what he wanted to do. You know, Aaron Glenn tried to do the same thing out in, in, in San Francisco. You know, he wasn't going to let them, he wasn't going to get into a chess match with them in terms of changing personnel. So he played his guys. He played base to whatever they wanted to put on the field. He tried to win the game up front. And for a while, it was successful. However, that being said, you know, it kind of ran out on him a little bit because he's not good enough in the back end. So I, I do think that the, the level of excitement in Seattle should be because what do we know about Seattle lately? The home field hasn't mattered in Seattle. Nope. Like it has been no bearing. They've lost home games there on a regular basis. They've lost that crowd noise that we all would talk about. And I think that if you have a defense that can play at a high level at home in that stadium, it's going to get your crowd noise back and it's going to get you winning at home. Yeah, in their heyday, that was one of the toughest places to play in the NFL. They'd go years without having lost games uh, up there in Seattle. So McDonald is now the Seahawks head coach, leaving one vacancy left with the Washington Commanders. And we got the news earlier this week that Ben Johnson, the Lions offensive coordinator, pulled his name out of the running for that job. So he's going back to Detroit to stay on as the OC, which I think is a surprise to most people, given all of the, uh, the hype that's been around Ben Johnson all throughout this season here. I guess... If for the commanders, do you think that the fact that McDonald went to Seattle, Ben Johnson has now pulled his name out, do you think that they missed out on their two top candidates, or is that just kind of more so been the media thinking that those guys were in the running for those jobs? Yeah, I'm not sure they had a top candidate. I'm not sure they have a top candidate now. Everybody's on Twitter today saying they're going to hire Dan Quinn. If they were going to hire Dan Quinn, why would they have let him leave the building? Yeah, now, they it. may end up coming back to Dan Quinn, but why would they put him on an airplane and let him go home? Why would they want to go fly to Aaron to do to do uh, to do Aaron Glenn? I mean, we saw that in, in, in Tennessee. They fell in love with Callahan. They had other interviews scheduled and they canceled them. 
So I, I, I'm not saying they're not going to hire Quinn. I don't know. I really don't know what is happening inside their building. But I, I, just from reading the tea leaves, it seems to me that they haven't been overwhelmed by anybody, including mm. Ben Johnson. And I'm sure Ben Johnson wasn't overwhelmed by them. I mean, when you come in with a lot of people in the interview process, you're sitting there saying, wait a minute, how's this all going to work, right? Mm. And, and I think to me, Ben Johnson is at a point in his career where he's young and he can be picky. He's going to come back to a good team. They're going to be good. They'll move the football offensively. Whether they improve defensively, that remains to be seen. But he's in a really good situation. So why, why would he cash it in for something that he's not really comfortable with or he feels like could be work in his best interest? And maybe they didn't feel like he had to demonstrate the leadership needed to be. So if you're in Washington and you just see that Seattle hired McDonald and they didn't hire Quinn, who they interviewed, and John knows – John knows Quinn, mm -hmm. that you got to ask yourself the question, why? Like, why did John hire McDonald over Quinn? Now, it could be really easy. They wanted a change from the Pete Carroll way. I accept that. But to me, if you're Adam, if you're Adam Peters, you got to ask that question. you got to get to it because there lies the answer for you for whether you want to hire Quinn or not. Well, who's making the decision in Washington? Is it Peters? Is it Peters and Harris? Is it Peters, Harris, Bob Myers, Magic Johnson? Like, like who's ultimately making this decision? I think it's all of them. I don't even know. Is Rick Spielman making it? I think they're <laughs> all involved, right? I think everybody, you know, the minority partners are involved, too. I mean, people that put the money up, too, want to say in this, too. Remember, Harris didn't write the check for $6.1 He had other people involved with it. So I'm sure they're going to want to know who's what the decisions are being made. And, you know, for me, it's hard to believe that they won't talk to Vrabel or they haven't talked to Bill. That, that makes it hard for me to understand. Well, I want to talk more about that on the other side. Another name, though, that has been mentioned with the commanders is the Ravens associate head coach, Anthony Weaver. His name hasn't been talked about much, but it's kind of been a name that's out there. It could be a quote-unquote surpriser this hiring cycle. We'll see if that's the direction they go. Aaron Glenn is still out there as well as a number of candidates for this Washington commander's job, the lone head coaching vacancy right now. We'll talk more about this on the other side. This is the GM Shuffle. All right, anytime you're on the golf course, you always hear the phrase, hit it long and hit it straight. Well, as somebody who's a novice to the game of golf, a new person, I wanted to make sure I had the best equipment possible. So, as a novice golfer, I went and hit up our friends over at PXG because they have an all-new driver called the Black Ops. I mean, my man Chris over in Henderson has hooked me up with a phenomenal driver that's built to my game. My new game that doesn't really do much of anything on the course, but it has what I need in terms of the club head speed and the kind of grip that I need to go out there and be the best to my ability. I mean, this is music to ears to any golfer, whether you're a novice like myself or if you've been playing the game for decades. The PXG Black Ops driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Op drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. That's just ridiculously high. So what you got to do Go check out the PXG Black Ops Driver. You'll be as impressed with it as I am. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment at pxg.com slash gmshuffle and use code gmshuffle at checkout. That's pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle for free shipping on all equipment, pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle.
So a nice coup for uh, Detroit Lions fans there to keep Ben Johnson as their offensive coordinator. I know the expectation was that they were going to lose him. But going back to this commander's job, you mentioned the two names that we've talked about at the beginning of this coaching carousel. Six-time Super Bowl champion head coach Bill Belichick and then Mike Rabel, who parted ways with the Tennessee Titans. One thing we've talked about with a lot of these jobs, whether it was Carolina or Washington or whatever, you'd mentioned in particular with those two, that the owner needs to buy themselves some credibility with the fans. Those are two guys out there in Belichick and Vrabel that would buy you that credibility. Why aren't they flying those guys in to do interviews and see where they're at to ultimately be the new face of their franchise? That, that question I can't answer. And, you know, I mean, so take my relationship and, and appreciation and respect for Coach Belichick out of the equation mm-hmm. why aren't, and just focus it on Vrabel. Like, why wouldn't you spend time talking to Vrabel? Why wouldn't you as an owner want to pick the brain of a guy who's been successful in the league and learn? Maybe you don't want to hire him. Maybe you want to learn exactly what's going on and how the league thinks and how he operates. And maybe that could allow you to get better insight. One of the things I think Kraft said at the farewell press conference conference in in New England was how he kind of was naive and young as an owner and made mistakes early. And I think you get an opportunity to 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 learn. You should take advantage of it, especially from, you know, I mean, if you spent an hour with Belichick, you would realize that the guy knows more football than any of the people that you brought in for an interview. Now, you don't have to hire him, but you could learn a lot from interviewing. And to me, I think that would be something that's smart. But look, we know Peters is in Mobile right now. We know Josh Harris is probably in Florida where he lives. And then, you know, we saw Bob Myers on television last night on ESPN. So I don't know how they're doing these interviews where they zinking them up on Zoom. I have no idea. But it doesn't seem like they're in any rush to make a decision. And maybe they have their guy and they're just working on a contract to figure it out. I don't know. You know, I, I do know what, what Schefter is very careful on how he tweets things. He doesn't want to upset anybody. He doesn't want to make it look bad. Mm-hmm. But when he sent out the, t- the tweet that said, you know, th- that Quinn and, and Johnson are not locks at either place, and he would be surprised if one or if not two didn't get those jobs, that told me that there's somebody else in the Washington mix. And you brought up Anthony Weaver, which to me would be interesting if, you know, is he going to get that job? And you know, we'll see how that all works out. But I think to me, when you look at what I'm told, what's going to happen in Baltimore is, is they're going to hire, uh, I think it's uh, Zach, I'm going to get the name of this, uh, Zach Orr. I think they're going to hire Zach Orr to be the defensive coordinator. He's the inside linebacker coach. I think they're going to hire Zach Orr to replace McDonald. Okay. And Anthony Weaver is already the assistant head coach, but he coaches D-line. I don't know. I know Weaver from playing days. You know, to me, if you're a D-line coach or you haven't really coordinated as much in the league, I think that would be a hard jump to go up to the head coaching. We saw Thomas Sula try to do that in San Francisco. That didn't work out. That's not saying Anthony Weaver couldn't. Mm-hmm. I read somewhere that they were impressed. But to me, you know, if he was thought of as the coordinator, why are they giving it to Zach Orr, who's really only coached three years in the league? They're going to make him the coordinator. Yeah, I mean, Zach Orr was playing in the league as, as early as 2016 uh, is when he was in the league as a player for the Baltimore Ravens. So Weaver seems to be like he's sort of the quote-unquote wild card candidate. Is there a guy that we're not thinking about that might be in contention for this job here, or is it just so in the dark with all of the parties of this committee for the commanders spread out across the country that nobody really knows and we're just kind of waiting to see what they end up doing at some point? 
Yeah, I mean, look, one thing we know, I mean, they have te there's telephones, there's FaceTime, there's Zoom. So you can be in three different places and still and still kind of get your work done. I'm not suggesting you can't. But it's interesting that, you know, that it seems to me like, again, if if Quinn was the winner, like Twitter wants to jump ahead of it and say, then they would have announced Quinn by now. Right. Mm -hmm. And now it looks like they're regrouping. It looks like they're regrouping. And I think because of that, as they regroup, I think to me that leads you to believe where are they regrouping to? Is there a college coach they're regrouping to? Mm. I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, well, well, we'll all be waiting to see who the commanders end up going with for their new head coaching job. That's the one vacancy that is left open. We saw two vacancies be get hired and filled last week. We didn't get a chance to touch on these. Dave Canales, who's actually having an introduction press conference right now with the Carolina Panthers, and then the Falcons, they hired Raheem Morris here. What are your thoughts on those two AFC South, or sorry, NFC South teams making those hires? Canales, a first-time head coach, wasn't calling plays until this past season. Now he's made the meteoric rise yeah. to being the head guy. I, I mean, it's, it's really great for him. He's done a, I mean, look, the, the, his selling point was he did something to Baker that they couldn't do in Carolina. Right. And so I'm sure that if you're Dan Morgan, you're saying, look, we signed, you know, we signed Baker. We had Baker here and they couldn't coach him. And so I'm going to hire the coach that could coach him. I, I think to me that Morgan hiring is the more interesting hire for me in Carolina than Canales. I mean, everybody mm -hmm. wants to take a chance on a young offensive mind. And, and certainly he did a really good job with Baker. So you can't argue with that. It's the Morgan one. He was there for the three years. He was there the whole time. He's Scott Federer's best, one of his best friends. Like, I don't understand how you go from being part of the decision to now getting promoted, right? Like, it's like when I told Al Davis when we hired Art Shell, I said, this is going to be a disaster of epic proportion. And he said, you know, and I said to my wife, I said, you know, if he wins – you know, we'll keep our job. If he gets fired, we'll lose. We'll, we're going to get fired because he's not going to look at me knowing I was right. You know, mm. he's not going to tolerate that. <laughs> you know, so did Dan Morgan predict this doom and gloom for Carolina? Is that why he got promoted? Or did he think that everything was going to be good and he still got promoted? Like, I'm confused. Like, I'm really confused. And so we'll see how this all works out. You know, I think to me, it lends a lot itself to be desired. And Canales is a good young coach. I like Raheem Morris, I really do. To me, mm -hmm. the, the Atlanta issue is simply this, is you chose to go with your front office. You chose to think that Fontenot's got a really good grip on this team, that even though they've been 7-10 and 10 for the last three years, it's all Arthur Smith's fault, and the talent is better. And we know, we know from all the things that we've talked about in, in, in football that Walsh, what he said back in 1975 is true. When the president... McKay and the general manager are sitting with the owner, then it's always going to be the coach's fault, right? It's always going to be. And I think ultimately from the time the Belichick interest started until it was over that they didn't want him in the building because it threatened them. And I, we wrote about this on the daily coach about guard your desk, that guard your desk mentality. If you're Fontenot and you really believe you're great at what you do and you, and, and they told Belichick He's here. He's not going anywhere. And Belichick was all okay with that. Then why wouldn't you want the best coach? Why wouldn't you want to become the best at what you do? Why wouldn't you want to learn how it's done from somebody who's won six Super Bowls? And again, this isn't about Raheem. This is about, to me, a lack of wanting to bring in competition within your building. And it would involve too much change. You know, we could the cap guy, Chris Olson. You know, it's going to involve this guy and that guy. 
I think to me, you know, you're you're basically saying to your to your fans, you know, we're we're committed to winning, but we're not committed that much. And and I and I would say all of this as it relates to Vrabel as well. To me, it's kind of interesting. They chose to go in that direction. When when you look at their team, they've been drafting offensive players like. They had Jalen Carter down the road. They need a three technique badly. They took, a, they took another running back. Now, he's a great running back. I'm not he saying is. that. But if you know anything about team building, that's not, you, need, you need defensive linemen that's going to win games. But to me, that's what they chose to do. But this was orchestrated. This was an orchestrated, subversive plot to make sure that they didn't bring somebody in who could take the power and the control away from the people that had it. And even though they'll say McKay is going to go work in the company – I wouldn't be surprised if his son comes in and becomes the pro personnel director. Watch for that to happen. Oh, <laughs> okay. Well, well, we'll keep our eyes on what's going on in Atlanta. I think the big theme, especially with the Falcons and a lot of these head coaching hires from these organizations that we want to win, but we want to win on our own terms. We don't want to do everything required to win. We want to do it our way. And, and uh, hey, maybe yeah. some, some, we don't maybe... want to give up. We, we don't want to give up our authority. We like it. Yeah. You know, like for me, I mean, if, if you really will love your – if you want to be great, go get, you know – Go get greatness. You know, look, <laughs> go bring them in. Yeah, go bring it in. And especially especially if you knew you weren't – like he wasn't he, – he was in – I mean, it was clear that they weren't going to fire him, that, 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 that he was going to stay, Fontenot was going to stay, that Pace was going to stay. Like it wasn't like Bill was going to bring in his whole personnel department and say, okay, here we go. But they chose to go with Raheem, and, and I think, but that was Raheem was always the guy that McKay wanted from day one. That was always the guy he wanted from day one, and he got him. And so, so don't tell me that they didn't orchestrate this. Don't tell me they didn't orchestrate this. They did, and it, and it was. So, so what do you think was the whole purpose of bringing Belichick in for the second interview and doing all that stuff? Was that just dog and pony show, or like what's, what's going on with yeah, that? Yeah, I think it was. I, and I think it just allowed them more time to work on. They worked on blank. You know, blank doesn't have enough of a conviction to be able to say, look, I'm not listening to you guys. I'm doing what I want to do. Kraft did that. That's why Kraft should be in the Hall of Fame. Blank mm -hmm. couldn't do that. Blank wants everybody to really, I mean, blank has separation anxiety. I mean, he, he still talks to the people that he's kind of moved out of his life. Seems like a nice man, I guess. <laughs> Hopefully it works wonderful out man, for him. You know? Hopefully I'm sure he's a wonderful out. guy. But will we ever win? I mean, look, Raheem's got his work cut out for him. And, and somebody, you know, Raheem's going to have to build a team, and we'll see how it all goes. But the team-building element of Atlanta, if you think that's a good team, a well-built, constructed team, good luck. No. Remember, this is the same front office that put out the press release that we're not interested in Lamar that we believe in Ritter. Now they can blame all that on Arthur. They can blame it all on Arthur Smith. Go ahead. And that's usually, and that's what Walsh wrote about, talked about in 1975, that the owner and the president, the GM, they all sit together. They convince the owner who doesn't know enough what's going on and they keep their jobs forever and ever and ever. And meanwhile, the coaches continue to change. I didn't make that up. I just carry it around with me and I read it because it's the NFL. It's not the best and the brightest. Yeah, I mean, you might, like you mentioned, like every single draft, we've been doing a couple of draft shows together now, and we get to the Atlanta Falcons pick, and we're just like, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? It doesn't really make sense yeah. from a team building Drake, standpoint. They have, no they have no speed on offense, yeah. and they've been drafting offensive players for three years, and they have no speed, and it's all Arthur's fault. No, they have uh, three straight seven-win seasons to show for it is what they have. 
and uh, Raheem Morris, maybe it'll be a different situation down there in Atlanta with him there as the head coach, but uh, he's got his work cut out for him in a division that's pretty gettable, which is why I don't know why they didn't try to go ahead and get one of these culture builders in Belichick or Vrabel, because if you do that, I think you can run that division for the foreseeable future. All right, we'll do rapid fire coordinator hires and also Tom Brady's appearance on McAfee next. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, the second round of the playoffs have been absolutely phenomenal, and if you really like a team, you can bet on them for the futures markets, maybe some conference finals MVPs as the conference finals approach, or how about NBA finals MVP? And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Let's, let's go rapid fire with some of these coordinator hires. We'll start with Big Daddy's new defensive coordinator. Jeff Halfley, head coach of Boston College, now going to be the defensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers. That news came out last night, and I'm curious to see. I don't really know much about Jeff Halfley. I didn't watch a ton of Boston College football. I'll just be quite honest with that. But uh, what do you know about Jeff Halfley? And I know he has some experience in the NFL in the past, but uh, what do you do to make of this hire for the Green Bay Packers to where there's a lot of talent on that defense? They just need the right guy to coordinate it. Well, they, you know, he's from, you know, he's with, he was with Greg Ciano in Tampa, and then he was with Mike Pettin in Cleveland. So, and then he was at Ohio State when they turned defense around. So, you know, and then he went to Boston College. And I think he's, you know, he's had some, it's a hard school to win in Boston College. And he mm-hmm. had some success. Kind of came out of the blue to me. They were interviewing a defensive coordinator. And then after they interviewed him, 20 minutes after that interview, they hired Halfley. Now that just didn't happen. You just don't hire a guy a college coach just overnight. So I think this is something that Matt LaFleur had planned all along, and he just wanted to go through and listen to other people and talk to other people, which is mm-hmm. his prerogative. And, and Halfley will come in and, and try to get this going. It's a, to me, it's the most critical hire that, that LaFleur is ever going to have because if he gets the right guy, if Halfley is the right guy, uh, then this team has a chance to compete with the quarterback, with the offense, with the young talent that they have. This, they have a chance to compete at a very high level. And I don't think you can measure anything that happened in B.C. as no. it relates to – because if you go to Ohio State, he was really good at Ohio State as a defense coordinator there when they had the players. So I, I think you have to kind of take this and as a wait-and-see approach. I'm sure Big Daddy will be doing tremendous research on this mm. and come up with some conclusion, which will be completely wrong, but he'll come up with some conclusion of his own. Well, I'm sure Big Daddy knows by now that uh, Halfley worked with 
LaFleur's brother, Mike LaFleur, in San Francisco. So there's some connection there with the LaFleurs yeah. and, and Halfley. So hopefully Big Daddy takes that news in stride there. But what did you make of the reasoning? Because Pete Famel, the college football reporter, he's the one that broke this news. And like the reasoning that he put in the thread there I thought was interesting. And I'm not sure if I buy it all the way, but here's what he tweeted. He said, Halfley's reasons for taking this coordinator job are rooted in both the overall state of college football and the opportunity to work for one of the NFL's most respected franchises. Quote, he wants to go coach football again in a league that is all about football. Source told ESPN, college coaching has become fundraising, NIL, and recruiting your own team and transfers. There's no time to coach football anymore. Is, is that the, the, the sole reason why he decided to take this job, that he just wanted to get out of the, the new NIL era of college football? I think it's really hard. So, you know, coordinators, I mean, Big Daddy doesn't think Green Bay pays anybody. That's his, his, his research has led that to believe, which is completely yeah. wrong. But, but let's just say, you know, you're a coordinator in the league and you're making $3 million a year and you're the head coach at BC and you're making five and you have more headaches than ever. You're taking a $2 million hit, but you're still making really good money living in Green Bay composed of, as opposed to living in Boston. Yeah, much cheaper. And so, you know, there's, there's offsets, right? And so this college game is so goddamn hard. You know, you're constantly recruiting your own team. You're constantly in an IL. You know, you have no stability whatsoever, and you have no time off because everything is constant. You know, you're always doing stuff all over. And I think it's really it's a challenge. And I could see him wanting to get back to being a football coach. I mean, I think that's the thing that drives you crazy is if you're in college, sometimes you just don't have enough time to coach football. And especially at a place like BC where, mm -hmm. you know, it just doesn't come naturally to you. If you're at if you're at, uh, you know, a, a school, Ohio State, you know, that you got, you know, you got a lot of help there. But if you don't, mm -hmm. if you're not, then it's really hard. Yeah, it's a different landscape now in college football. And, like, we saw, obviously, Jim Harbaugh make the jump. We always knew that he kind of wanted to get back to the NFL, but he has now made the jump from Michigan, coming back to coach the Los Angeles Chargers. So maybe we'll see more of this year. But I, I just – to me, maybe I'm just biased because I'm more of an NFL fan than a college football fan. I just feel like the NFL jobs are just better jobs, like, point blank. But, hey, maybe, maybe the NIL era is what's kind of deterring guys from staying in the college ranks. Uh, we also saw – our guy Joystick, Kellen Moore, he's coming back to the NFC East, will now be the OC with the Philadelphia Eagles on the same staff as Vic Fangio. That dynamic should be really interesting. But, be interesting. Uh, but but what about the, the dynamic between Moore and Hurts? Because this is like the big thing is that can they get Hurts to be the guy that he was a couple years ago? Do you think that this is a good fit, Kellen Moore now the OC for Jalen Hurts? Yeah, I, I, this one I'm not sure of, right? Because I think you got to understand that Hurts is really a play-action pass run quarterback six back offense run and they did a great job with it in when Shane Steichen was there I think they kind of got caught up to a little bit when when the, this year changed and they and they changed coordinators so I, I I don't know what to make of it I know this that the Eagles success is their offensive line their ability to control the pace look it's not so much we got to run the ball it's not three runs but it's about controlling the pace of the game and one thing we know about Kellen, he likes to call it, he likes to dial them up. Mm -hmm. And I think it's going to be a little bit harder to do that. You know, you got to build the offense. He's going to have to change what he does, his approach, as opposed to make it hurts change, right? I think he's going to need to come into Philly and Sariani can help him and say, here's what we're going to do and here's how we're going to do it. And here's the strengths of what hurts does. Let's build an offense around those strengths and use your creativity 
to build that offense. I think that's going to be. And the Fangio hire is a good one. I thought Mm -hmm. that, you know, I knew the marriage in Miami. I think I said it on the pod. I I thought it was going to be interesting. I I, I said, what was the over-under on Vic going down and punching him if he didn't, you know. I mean, I thought there was going to be conflict there. And I think what Ron Jaworski even mentioned it. Mm Yeah, no, Ron Jaworski was on WIP earlier this week and talked about how Vic Fangio left Miami because players, quote, weren't committed. Here's the full quote. I want to read it because I think this is really interesting stuff. He said, quote, there were some players on that defense that didn't want to work, didn't want to put the time in, didn't want to put the effort in, didn't want to make the commitment to be successful. Guys like to party at night, and South Beach is a really great place to party, and Vic tried to get those guys and push those guys to become harder workers and better athletes and more committed to their team. And he couldn't get through to those guys. Those were the guys that Vic was pushing, and they're the guys that are whining right now. That's a, that's pretty damning of the Miami culture that they have yeah. down there. And, and hey, I mean, South Beach seems like it's a fun place to party, but uh, obviously you want to be committed on the football field. Yeah, no question. I mean, that that's the problem in Miami, right? You've got to have somebody who's running the Miami program whose accountability – and holding the players into a, a, a situation that's challenging because there's a lot of things to do in Miami. There are a lot of things to do mm-hmm. in Tampa. There's a lot of things to do in Florida, right? You know, and you've got all sorts of things. And when the players aren't accountable, when the players aren't really in tune, you know, then it becomes hard. And, and Vic coaches hard. I mean, let's face it, Vic is going to coach hard. We're not going to Dairy Queen after the practice, right? Vic's going to coach. And, you know, and I think – Everybody loves Mike Mike McDaniel's, and you know he's kind of a quirky, different guy. But you got to understand the environment that you coach in. You got to understand where you're coaching. If you're in New Orleans, if you're in Tampa, you're in Miami. There's a yeah. lot of shit to do for those players, and they get in a lot of trouble. Yeah, Vegas. And so focus <laughs> has got to be on football, right? Vegas too. Focus has got to be on football. It's got to be committed, and the players you bring in have to be in love with football and not celebrity status. I think that's a challenge. I think what Jaws said probably was true. That they're a lot, That's why Vic wanted out. I think it just wasn't Vic's style of coaching. See, this is what happens to a lot of coaches and people in the league is, you know, sometimes you go to a place that just doesn't fit who you are with a coach that doesn't fit who you are. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying Mike McDaniel can't win, but it's a hard job if you're not really controlling the environment. So I think it makes sense. A great hire for Philadelphia. They get the guy that they wanted last year. Yeah, that's a really I just good... got an interesting text. Oh, please, please share. I think Washington, it'll be, I think Washington is close to making a decision. I don't think they're going to expand who they're going to hire. So I think to me, you know, I would be, wouldn't be surprised if in the next 12 to 24 hours, and I don't know who the coach is. I don't know who it is, but I just got, I, I got a tip off that they're close to a decision. Okay. Well, we'll be waiting for that news to come out there for the Washington Commanders. Uh, they're getting closer, the message that you received there on a hire. On the Dolphins' note, that they interviewed – this is actually kind of cool. They interviewed Chris Shula, grandson of the legendary coach John Don Shula, uh, the late great Don Shula for their defensive coordinator job. So, uh, actually, we just got the, uh, the tweet from Tom Pelissero at the NFL Network. They're hiring Dan Quinn. So the commanders are hiring Dan Quinn. So that's the breaking news right now as we're recording the podcast. 53-year-old Dan Quinn going from Dallas Cowboys offensive coordinator to now Washington commanders head coach. Interesting how you get that text and then literally seconds later (laughs) it comes out. So uh, your instant reaction to Dan Quinn now being the head coach of the commanders. Well, I mean, they got somebody who can work partnership with Adam Peters. And I think, you know, this is uh, they're going to, 
you know, this and Dan Quinn is a guy that loves the collaborative effort. I think that's what we saw in Atlanta. He's a good he's you know, he's a good person. You know, they're going to try to build that that unity, all that stuff to together. And now between the two of them, I think they're going to try to steal on the Detroit model. You got Brad Holmes, which is Adam Peters. He gets a guy that he can control. He gets a guy that he can build a, a good culture within because Quinn can do that. I think there's no mm -hmm. question. And I think this kind of helps Dallas, frankly, because I think Dallas now has an opportunity to to maybe bring Mike Zimmer back, which would mm -hmm. really be a smart move. That would be a really smart move to bring Mike Zimmer back into that building and kind of change who they are a little bit defensively. So this could help both teams. It'll be interesting to see how this works out with Peters and Quinn. But to me, I find it interesting that they, they went in this direction. But good for Dan Quinn. He's been banging at the door to get one of these, and he finally got one. Yeah, we thought he was going to be the Denver Broncos head coach a couple years ago, and he's been going on these head coaching interviews for for a few years since he's been the defensive coordinator for Dallas Cowboys. Now he's back in the mix there, and uh, he has the number two overall pick, so I'm sure quarterback will be at the top of the mind there for Dan Quinn as they try to go ahead and rebuild that organization for the Washington Commanders, but Dan Quinn will be the head coach in Washington. You mentioned it with Dallas. Zimmer was a name that you brought up. He was the D.C. in Dallas from 2000 to 2006. There's been other names that have been floated. There was like a weird Ron Rivera thing that was floated out. Is there any truth to that, that the Cowboys might consider Ron Rivera at D.C.? I mean, Rivera's been interviewing. I'm shocked he's gotten two interviews for coordinators. I mean, I don't think I've heard Zimmer's name as an interview anywhere, yeah, so I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't know. I think to me, you know, like the Rams are interviewing defensive coordinators and they're letting Chris Shula interview somewhere else. Does that mean they're not going to hire Shula? I don't know. You know, but they've got guys in Dallas. You know, would they hire Martindale, who gave a lot of teams in the East trouble? He's still available. Mm -hmm. He's out there. He doesn't have work. So I think it, it'll be fascinating to see how this goes. This is a big hire for Mike, for, for Mike McCarthy because yeah. he can now see kind of change the defense a little bit, which I think he needed to do, frankly. And I think this could be a positive, not that Dan was a bad coach. I think it could be a positive for, for what they need to do defensively. Yeah, they just need to be a little bit more multiple maybe and a little bit bigger up front defensively because that showed up in the postseason when they were getting the ball crammed down their throats by the Green Bay Packers. We'll react more to this and spin it forward to the Dallas side as well as give you our Super Bowl breakdown next. So Dan Quinn will be the new head coach for the Washington Commanders, meaning that Mike McCarthy will have a decision to make here as to who he wants to be his new defensive coordinator. And one name that hasn't really been kicked around a bunch, but during the season, a lot of people were talking about him as a potential first-time D.C. is the secondary coach Al Harris, who played for Mike McCarthy when he was with the Green Bay Packers, have also played mm -hmm. for the Philadelphia Eagles. Do you think that they would ever promote within and promote Al Harris to that spot at D.C.? Yeah, I wouldn't rule it out. I, I, you know, I know Alan Harris is a player. We brought him to Philly when I was there, but uh, I don't know him. Uh, you know, but I think certainly he deserves he deserves to be looked at. I think to me, if I was on a one year tryout, I'd want to make goddamn sure that I knew the guy that was calling the defense had experience in calling it, understood mm -hmm. the game. And was um, and could do it, and really understood, and got brought some toughness to the team. And that might be Al Harris, but I don't know if I'm going to take a chance on that one. I don't know. I mean, I, if I could get Zimmer, to me, if I could get Zimmer or Martindale, that's where I'm going. 
Now, you know, Martindale has a chance maybe to get the Rams job. I don't know. But to me, you know, I would have hired him in Green Bay in a minute because I think he fit Green Bay's personnel. It's all about fitting your personnel too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that would have been a really nice hire for Matt LaFleur to make. He ends up going with Jeff Halfley, though. And, and you mentioned that Mike McCarthy is kind of on this one-year trial, entering the final year of his contract as head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. And Jerry Jones at the Senior Bowl earlier this week said the Cowboys are, quote, going all in. Uh, curious to see what that looks like for the Dallas Cowboys as they're trying to go ahead and right the ship after this playoff failure here this past January. I didn't think they weren't all in. Like, somebody <laughs> tell me when they weren't all in. I mean, Jerry's all, I thought Jerry was always all in. He said that he would be embarrassed if anybody knew the size of the check that he would write to win a Super Bowl. We're still waiting to see what that that check would be and uh, and what that would mean and all that. But uh, apparently status quo is good enough here for the Jones family. But uh, with this being kind of the Cowboys, this all-in year with McCarthy in his final season, I mean, I guess what do they need to do ultimately to kind of, I guess, get over the hump essentially? Because they haven't been able to do it in this Jones tenure for quite some time. I think they got to improve their talent base defensively. You know, I think they, they, they had no real corners. They lose digs. You know, they, the defensive front, you know, they got Lawrence, they got Parsons, but tell me where else. You know, they need to improve their linebacking core. I think this is a team that, that did not underachieve. I thought they overachieved. Their offensive line needs to improve. Pollard wasn't the same back two years ago that he was now. So I think there's a lot of stuff that needs to happen. And Micah Parsons, because he also has a podcast, by the way, he said on his podcast about the all-in thing, quote, sitting here and they talking about we're going all-in this year. Man, that's what I would hope for. I'm 24 years old. I've been in this league three years, and I've kind of seen it all, which interesting. Uh, I hope that we go all-in. I hope that we go out and get the players that we're missing because we didn't do that this year. I hope that we challenge ourselves, become better, and become greater. So uh, that's Micah Parsons' thoughts on his podcast there uh, about what the Cowboys should be able to do. Uh, we did want to play the, the soundbite from the GOAT, Tom Brady. He was on the Pat McAfee show yeah. earlier this week. And, thought it was and, great. And, and it, it was fantastic. He was talking about the kind of the importance of accountability and what organizations are kind of missing as they try to find success. Here's what Tom Brady had to say. You're going to be tested. And if your coach tests you and your teammates test you, then you can go beat your competition. You know, if they're not testing you and you're waiting for game day to figure things out, you're at a disadvantage. So I love the fact that I was pushed every day to be my best. And I love that I had the ability to push my teammates every day to be their best. And when I did that, I knew that there was accountability back on me that I was expected to go be my best. And ultimately that led to a lot of team success. So there's only one way to do it in my opinion. You could do it over a short period of time. I don't think Andy Reid you know, lets his players get off the hook. I don't think Kyle Shanahan lets his players get off the hook. I see those guys with the very disciplined style. I respect those programs for how they run it. And I hope all the teams can learn from that so that we can create the most competitive NFL that there, there could be. And people continue to love the sport like I have over a long period of time. Mm, well said there from, from Tom I, Brady. I, I, what, it, what he's saying really is, is th- this whole idea that, you know, we, we don't have to be demanding. We don't have to be hold people accountable. We can let things go. That's not the mark of a champion. That's not what championship teams do. This, you know, Washington just hired Quinn. They want to be in a collaborative effort. Well, the two teams in the Super Bowl don't really, they have collaborative effort, but the head coach runs the program. Kyle runs everything in San Francisco, and Andy runs everything in Kansas City, which is really the way to do it. Now, they're going to try to use the collaborative effort of the Lions. We'll see how that works out for them. 
and we'll see what happens in the draft. And certainly it's been good for the Lions. But I think Campbell's personality is such that he's got a lot of say within going on. Not that Brad Holmes doesn't. But I think Holmes understands exactly the kind of players that fit who Campbell is. That's going to be the interesting thing if they can pull that off in Carolina, if they can pull that off in Tennessee, if they can pull that off in Washington. So accountability and how you win hasn't changed. You're in Miami. If you're letting the players kind of have control of the program, you're never going to win a close game. You know, we know now what Jaws said about the program, why Vic won it out. Maybe that's why they didn't win close games. Maybe they weren't really as dedicated as they needed to be. And you better have a head coach who's going to demand it. And I think, to me, we're getting to the point where we're having all these coaches that are callers, tacticians, they're not leaders. Leaders have accountability as the number one tool in their toolbox for accountability for coaches. What is Jim Harbaugh? Jim Harbaugh holds the players, the staff, and the coaches accountable to what we're trying to get done. And that will never go out of style. So I applaud Brady for saying it because I've been saying it for a while. The league is absence of accountability, and that's why there's so much mediocrity. Yeah, and, and like the thing that jumps out to me, what Brady said is, quote, there's only one way to do it, in my opinion. And, and that, that's like, we can try to reinvent the wheel. We can try to create all these different things. But like you said, the championship formula will stand the test of time. Now, the canvas might change to change with the times, but like the formula of accountability will always be the common denominator for teams who are dominant and dominant over a long period of time. And, and nobody better to speak on that than a, a seven-time Super Bowl champion like Tom Brady. Like, it's... Like people are reinventing the wheel, but you, you don't really have to as we now wrap up a coaching cycle that goes without seeing Bill Belichick get a head coaching job, Mike Vrabel get a head coaching job, Pete Carroll, he's now out in Seattle, although he's now in a, an advisory role upstairs, a part of the front office. But uh, a number of these coaches that have won and have built cultures are now sort of being phased out as it's sort of a new crop of coaches who are now take over these NFL organizations. All right, Super Bowl, still about 10 days away, but... We can still break this game down and give out our initial thoughts, which brings us to our DraftKings betting breakdown here on the GM Shuffle presented by DraftKings Fantasy Sports. Check out what DraftKings has to offer this season with Coach Shuffle because life's more fun when you're in on the action. DraftKings, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com for details. All right, Michael, the spread right now, the Niners are back out to two-point favorites. The total is at 47 and a half and we don't have to give out our initial picks because we still have time next week we'll be out on radio road together here in las vegas but uh initially what's your kind of your reaction to what the market has done a lot of chiefs money early but throughout the course of the week we've seen that niners money come in here to push it back out to two well i i think there's a lot of faith in the 49ers being able to become the team they were in the regular season i mean when you break them down and you look at what's occurred in the postseason and you see that they have not been able to, you know, they gave up 10 rushing touchdowns during the season. During the 17-game season, they gave up 10. They've given up five in the playoff game, right? They've given up the, the yards per carry in this game. have been. They've given up 5.6 yards per carry in the run game, and they only gave up 4.1 in the regular season. And so they have not played good. They have two sacks. Bosa has them both. The defensive front has gotten pushed around. You know, and they've given up plays and yards, and it's been a problem. They're over 50% on third down defensively. So what if you're betting the Niners, you're saying this is going to change. Because what the Chiefs have found a formula for in the last four games, right? They clearly have a formula that they believe will work. They, they truly think that what they did after Christmas Day 
has worked, and it has. They're 4-0. He hasn't turned the ball over, right? He has not turned the ball over. He's been very good. They've been running the football 112 runs as opposed to 132 passes. They've balanced it out. They've cut down on all their mistakes, right? They cut down on all their mistakes. They don't, they don't create sacks. They only give it up two sacks. They have been very effective in terms of the opening drives of the game, right? They have been able to build a lead, and they've scored 23 points over these four games and have only allowed 14. So what you have to credit Mahomes for, and really Andy Reid is, is they've changed who they are. They are now ball control. They want drives of seven plays or more. They've had 16 of them over the last four games, and they want to be able to milk the clock, and they're going to start fast. I mean, they are going to start fast. They've been able to do that. And, and because they've been able to start fast, they've been able to play from in front. This game is going to come down to, Femi, the script, right? Mm-hmm. Can the Niners defeat the script? Baltimore couldn't defeat the script. Miami couldn't defeat the script. This team has built the lead as they've moved forward. And because of that, they've been very effective. I mean, when you look at them, you know, that they've been able to what, – what do I have it here? I have it in my stats. They've scored 46 of their 70 points in the first half. Mm. Think about that, right? And they've only allowed 10 points in the second half in their three playoff games. So they start fast and they do it. Mahomes averaged seven yards per attempt during the season. He averaged seven yards per attempt in the postseason. But the difference is he's not letting the ball hang in his hand. He's getting rid of it and he's making plays. Yeah, and you mentioned what the Chiefs would be able to do in the second half. Like the second half under, I believe it's cashed like every every time except for uh, except twice. At 18 and two second half unders for the Kansas City Chiefs in the 19 games that they played so far this season. Like they've been really good in those second halves, not scoring many points, but also not allowing points as well as we saw only three points allowed in the AFC title game. So at the fourth quarter under is 19 and one in Chiefs game. So I guess th- th- hopefully all the scoring is in the first half. Yeah, do with that information what you will. Uh, but the Super Bowl, the beauty of it is that we have the side, we have the total, we got the props, we got the index props, the novelty props. Like There's just a, a wide variety on the menu with the Super Bowl. And Super Bowl MVP is one of the more fun ones to bet on. Right now, the favorite for Super Bowl MVP is Patrick Mahomes at plus 125, Brock Purdy plus 225, McCaffrey plus 475, Kelsey 12 to 1. Any early thought on who you might be leaning towards uh, for Super Bowl MVP? Well, I mean, just take Baltimore KC. Who was the MVP of that game? The defense, but they would have given it to Mahomes, right? They would have given it to Mahomes. Even though he was really good, they scored 17 points, but it was their defense that won. So to me, if the Chiefs win, Mahomes is going to get it because their defense is going to be responsible for winning. Yeah, maybe Isaiah Pacheco could be a guy. The Niners' run defense has been a little shaky. Michael's shaking his head. Shaky. Like, <laughs> 5.6 a carry. That's what I'm saying. If the Chiefs get out into the front, maybe Pacheco goes for 100 and a couple touchdowns. We'll see. But safe travels when you come out here to Vegas, Michael. Super Bowl Radio Row. We'll be recording our Monday and Thursday podcast next week. Thank you to our producer, Elliot. Subscribe, rate, and review as always. And we'll talk to you guys on Monday.